Thank you for coming to the podcast. It's episode 46 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and we got Big Rig, Johnny Hendricks on the show. We preview Fight Night 101, Derek Brunson versus Robert Whitaker, and being Thanksgiving week, we'll talk about things we're thankful for in MMA. And it's all brought to you by the best damn mouthguard, period. I'm talking about Sisu Mouthguard. You can drink, you can talk, you can breathe easy. Gumby, one of the things I love about popping a Sisu Mouthguard up in my mouth is it stays there through all of training. I don't have to take it out when I want to talk. I don't have to take it out when I want to drink and then put it back in. And they call that being cleanly. That's right. And whether it's doing jiu-jitsu or doing any other sport for that matter, you're going to want to keep those mouth guards in your mouth. So head on over to SISUGuard.com and find the mouth guard that's right for your sport. So in summation, Sisu Mouthguard brings you episode 46 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast. And you know, Gumby, one of the things I love about our podcast is we don't ramble on and on like some other MMA podcasts do, talking about nothing in particular, not even sticking to the subject of MMA. We bring it to our listeners right to their face like a Conor McGregor left hand, and we always get through fight news as fast as possible, under 15 minutes, or the whole podcast is free. So what do you say we just kick right into it and get into the news of the day? Let's do it. All right. I want to start with this, Gumby. Uh, Rashad Evans is off UFC 206. His opponent, Tim Kennedy, thinks it might be brain trauma. We don't know. It's a medical reason that we're not privy to. That's you know his business, not anyone else's business. But this is now two athletic commissions that are not going to allow Rashad Evans to fight. Rashad claims he will fight again. What do you think? So I, I've got two takeaways from that. First one being that, uh, you know, I, I definitely think you're right. I think it's some sort of trauma to the brain that came out more. We know New York City tested, or New York State rather, uh, tested a little bit more extensively than most of the commissions do. So most likely something popped up on there. The second takeaway I have is from that is people are probably overreacting a little bit to the fact that Toronto is keeping him out. Because the most likely the reason that Toronto is keeping him out is that they heard something from the New York commissions. Commissions tend to work together, and if you get suspended out of one, the other one picks up that suspension. Sort of a game like commission telephone, they tell a friend, and they tell a friend, <laughs> and the next thing you know, yeah, yeah you're I, not fighting anymore. I, I mean, I would say that that's probably true, but also, you know, just like respecting one commission's decision is just good practice. I mean, we see when the Las Vegas uh, commission, or the Nevada commission, uh, hands down a suspension, everybody else recognizes it because they know if you want your suspension to be serious, you take their suspension serious. So I'm guessing it's probably just something like that. But but I would say it's it's you know potentially bad that something came up on the New York physicals at all. All right. Well, Tim Kennedy, of course, still wants to fight. I mean, this is now uh, you know two events in a row where he thought he was going to be fighting, and, and, and after two years of not fighting too, which which is you know kind of big. He called out Anderson Silva, but of course you're going to call out the biggest name you could think of. Do you have any late-level replacements here, or last-minute replacements, I should say, that you'd want to see him fight? God, God, I can't think of anybody. The only one I could think of that might make a lot of sense is uh, Jacare right now. Um, you know, Jacare got pulled out of a fight with Rockhold. He was supposed to fight, uh, you know, this Saturday in that Melbourne card. He's without kind of a dance partner, and with Romero being guaranteed the shot, he's going to need a win 
you know, Tim Kennedy might be one of the easier wins for him to come by there. You know, he wouldn't have to fight Weidman. He wouldn't have to fight Rockhold. So maybe he can, you know, put the stamp on him right here and get that next title shot after Romero. What do you think of Silva coming back for it? I mean, Silva could. Uh, I'm kind of like at the end of my interest level with Silva, seeing as, you know, the last few performances were a little bit lackluster. Um, you know, not that the Cormier one was his fault all that much, but... Uh, you know, he, I, I think he still needs a little bit more time and he needs to fight somebody like Uriah Hall. All right, fair enough. Uh, well, we wouldn't be able to do a fight news update without talking about something Conor McGregor related. <laughs> and uh, Owen Roddy, his boxing coach, his striking coach, went on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani and said the Habib fight... The excitement isn't there. It's just not there, he said. And he said he likes uh, Tyron Woodley as a fight more. This, again, public negotiation from his team. I think it's all very coordinated. I don't know that we're necessarily getting the most honest you know, reactions from them. I think they know it's best just to throw a bunch of stuff out there and stir, you know, trouble up. But what do you think? And here we are a week later, Vegas is now taking odds on who McGregor might fight next. What do you think one week removed from UFC 205? First of all, I think it's crazy that they're, they're taking odds on his fights being booked. Uh, Just absolutely absurd to me. But the the other thing I will say is that I, when we argued before on the MMA manifesto uh, manifesto article, uh, we both pointed out some of the things we like about stylistic matchups. But I think Roddy makes a point for somebody who wants to see Conor McGregor box. Khabib Nurmagomedov is the worst kind of fighter for him to fight. Right? You don't think Khabib's going to go in there and box with him? So. With, with Roddy being the boxing coach, yeah, that's not a matchup anybody can get excited for as a boxing coach. Uh, obviously, Woodley makes, is more exciting because that's a third title and, you know, everybody would be jacked up if he got to go for a third title. But I don't think the Tyrone Woodley fight's going to happen. If I could bet against Tyrone Woodley, I would bet against Tyrone Woodley. Well, and opponent. hey, news break, you can bet against well, Tyrone to... Woodley. They're <laughs> taking odds on it. Not just a figure of speech anymore. Yep, that's very true. When it comes to Connor's next opponents. Um, now, I, also worth mentioning that Habib is playing a little game of public negotiation chicken with the UFC as well. He said if he does not get that title shot, he will announce something in the coming days many people are speculating some russian organization could just pay him cash there would be no legal ramifications yeah, he might who's gonna sue a russian company. exactly <laughs> he might be blackballed by the ufc but he could certainly go and do it it's a wonderful negotiation tactic but then you know what his dad came out and said he would be fine to face uh tony ferguson in a number one contenders match and that i think is the road we're headed down i think mcgregor is going to pull something off beat and i also wouldn't be surprised if they can work things out with GSP and we'll get to him in a little bit you know a McGregor GSP super fight I just even the guys they're taking odds on when it comes to Connor at this stage in the game I'm looking more for outside the box than I am for logical that that's very true and and the other thing too to think about and probably why he's saying he's okay with a Ferguson fight here is that you got to remember you know Connor said he's going to be done until May or so right He's going to wait for his, his wife. His, yeah, his yeah, girlfriend gonna, is pregnant. For, that's yeah. right, girlfriend. He's going to wait for his girlfriend to have his, his kid. And, and if that's the case, Habib's only fought two times in three years. Sitting out another seven months doesn't really do much for his popularity. He needs to get another fight in there. Uh, and maybe that's the fight that helps us settle who gets the next shot anyway. Because, you know, to be honest with you, yeah, it, it's wide open on who gets this next shot. But Habib certainly has to do something for his resume. 
Well, I disagree with that. And you could go to MMA-Manifesto.com <laughs> to see why I think Habib should just get this shot. Maybe the most dominant lightweight of all time. Okay, now, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we have, uh, from the same show, MMA Hour, always making news. We'll give credit where credit is due. CM Punk went on that show, Gumby, and said they are working on something. He expects his next fight to be in the UFC. I have a conspiracy theory, but I want to kick it to you first. What do you think is going on, and do we see CM Punk fighting the UFC again? Well, he's shown that he can draw. Uh, just for that alone, I, I expect to see him in the, the UFC again. Obviously, his draw is going to be significantly worse this time, and with a loss, he'll be at such a low draw level, they'll be able to let him go. But I, I think you got to give it at least one more shot. Don't get me wrong. I don't think there was anything in the cage that shows he needs another shot, but there's stuff on the pay-per-view numbers. There's stuff on the numbers, so... Give him one more. Find somebody who who seems bad enough to give him a shot with. Very well said, Gumby. Nothing in the octagon makes you want to give him a second shot, but uh, the peripherals of business and marketing says he's probably going to get another shot. Let me give you my uh, conspiracy theory, and that is that Dana White did come out. They're friends, by the way. And Dana White, you can never really trust what he says, but he did come out with a very strong statement. And I think at this stage in my MMA fandom, I'm getting good at reading Dana White between the lines. <laughs> he said he doesn't think, it was something I'm paraphrasing here, he doesn't think CM Punk should fight in the UFC again, uh, you know, because he admitted it wasn't the greatest performance. Now, you also have a rumor that the next tough season is going to be a welterweight comeback season. Oh, God. Yeah, that's got CM Punk written all over yeah, it, doesn't it? Yeah, because he's a welterweight, and it's the same treatment they gave uh, Kimbo Slice to say, go prove yourself. And the ultimate fighter, not technically pro matches, eh. It makes some sense, right? Yeah, it makes a load of sense, and I hate how much sense it makes, actually. <laughs> so there you go. CM Punk, your next Ultimate Fighter season. We just broke some news in a premonition. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's keep moving on. Uh, fight announcements. Uh, Yair Rodriguez is going to fight BJ Penn. This is a classic up-and-coming prospect versus established legend. It's how they built uh, they built the pro wrestling industry, for Christ's sakes. What do you think of this matchup? I, I think we need to schedule BJ Penn's funeral because uh, this is just an absolutely terrible matchup for him. Uh, BJ Penn, his last time out, looked slow, looked like he was getting worked on the ground, and Yair Rodriguez is a fast guy with sharp submission skills, and he hits heavy. So, th I'm, I mean, this is just a terrible matchup for him at this point in time in his career. Now, I agree with you. You know I'm a huge Yair fanboy. I, I don't think, you know, BJ Penn hasn't had a win since 2010, but arrested, remotivated, a Greg Jackson trained BJ Penn. I will just say, Yair, you know, he's, we've talked about this. He's, uh, he throws caution to the wind, right? Yeah. And he had the amazing, you know, jump knee kick combo on, um, touchy feely. Yeah, Andre Feely. But the other three wins, and don't get me wrong, I'm more impressed. I'm so impressed with Yair Rodriguez. But, you know, is he necessarily going to come out and just knock BJ out? Uh, devil's I, advocate. I, I mean, I, I like the devil's advocate point. The only thing I will say about your argument, the the rested, new training, whole argument every single time. I, I mean, we heard that before the Frankie Edgar fight, too, right? He was getting new training help, and his new training help was that weird-ass tippy-toes striking mode he went into and fucking butterfly guard for three hours. So, like... What the hell was that? I mean, it was Butterfly Guard with no sweeps and on his tippy toes for his striking. So you can say what you want about new coaching, and hopefully Greg Jackson isn't teaching him to strike on his tippy toes. But uh, 
You're I going yeah, you're sure. all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going yeah, you're all day. Uh, that's fine. And I agree with you. I just wanted to bring up a devil's advocate point. You know I am very big on Yair and uh, Duhu Choi at 145 as up-and-comers, so I love the matchup. It'll take place January 15th, uh, Fight Night card in Phoenix, and again, it's a great name for Yair to build his resume off of. Move now to another fight announcement from a different promotion, Gumby. Matt Mitrione is going to be fighting a guy by the name of, oh, let me see here. How do I say? Uh, f- 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 Fedor? Yeah, oof. Fedor Emelianenko versus Matt Mitrione in Bellator. Uh, I can't tell you how much I hate this and how much I love this. Uh, because you, you know you're going to watch, right? I, I'm definitely going to watch, yes. Yeah, and I, like, I'm not happy about it either because like, look at Fedor's last time out. He fought fucking Fabio Maldonado, a UFC cast-off who had lost three in a row before he got fired by the UFC. And... I mean, by all accounts, Fabio beat him. Fabio had him near knockout for a while, and, and now he's getting Mitrione, who's probably a step up. He's a hard hitter. Yeah, and he hits hard. Uh, and it, it also just kind of feels bad for me because all of those years of us wanting to see Fedor against UFC heavyweights, and this is the heavyweight we get him against. We get him against Meathead Mitrione. I, I'm with you. I mean, when you think about, we lived in the late 2000s, the late aughts, and then the early 2010s. Think of all the rumors we lived through. Oh, Fedor versus Randy. Fedor versus Big Nog in the UFC. Fedor versus Frank Mir. Fedor versus Brock. Fedor versus Kane. I mean, there was a time there where I would have taken Fedor versus JDS. Still would. Uh, you know, even now, I'd love to see Fedor versus Stipe. You want to talk about a young up-and-coming lion who can make his name off of just murdering an old guy. Uh, but here we are, Fedor versus Matt Mitrione. Yeah, I would have even taken Fedor versus Tim Sylvia in that era. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, instead we're getting Matt Mitrione, which seems to have less luster than Tim Sylvia, and I'm still going to tune in. Of course. And if you also want to tune in, that'll be February 18th at Bellator 172 in San Jose, California. Gumby, we're going to end fast fight news the fastest fight news segment on the planet with this at that same bellator fight where it was announced mitrione will fight fedor you had gsp's i assume manager because gsp probably doesn't handle his twitter and social media accounts himself posting all sorts of fun photos of gsp in the bellator cage with chael sonen everyone happy oh i just accompanied rory mcdonald with his idol fedor and it was obviously again everything gsp everything dana white all public negotiation but this was you know it's when, a scare tactic it's a scare tactic that's exactly what it is it's a scare tactic he's trying to make the ufc see that like hey i'm serious about this and, and you know what good for him if that's what he has to do to scare dana white into to getting the, the deal done, then good for him. I, I do hope we see GSP in early 2017. In, in, a, in an octagon, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> in an octagon. Yes. Man, fight news never sleeps. Uh, all right, Gumby, this is a good time to take a pause and just mention that we are available wherever a podcast is being streamed. We have an RSS feed. Uh, tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you can get a podcast, you could get Top Turtle MMA. Give us a like, give us a listen, give us a download write a review. We so appreciate it. Now, I am excited to say that we were able to finally catch up with Big Rig Johnny Hendricks. He's had such a fascinating career, Gumby. Highest of the highs. He's had some recent lows. He was very open about it with us. 
But before I play this for you, I want to tell you about our new sponsor. Datsusara is a fight gear company that uses hemp in all of their products. They make t-shirts, they make geese, they make belts for geese, they make backpacks for crying out loud, and it's all made out of hemp. Now, why is hemp better, you might ask? Well, for one thing, hemp helps wick away moisture from the body as it absorbs and releases perspiration quickly. That might come in handy while you're doing some MMA. Hemp is also naturally antimicrobial. What does that mean? It helps kill the growth of fungi and bacteria, including staph. That's a dirty word in grappling and all MMA gems, right? So why wouldn't you want to get into some hemp gear and protect yourself against staph? Not to mention, their stuff looks cool. I use it when I roll. The t-shirt doesn't stretch. It's very tough material. Go to dsgear.com. You can enter in the promo code TOPTURTLE, not case-sensitive, because that's how we roll, and get yourself a nice discount. dsgear.com for all hemp fight gear. Check it out. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Datsusara brings you our interview with former UFC welterweight champion, Johnny Hendricks. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we are talking with Big Rig Johnny Hendricks, who fights Neil Magny at UFC 207, December 30th. So, uh, Johnny Hendricks, you got a big fight in front of you uh, that could really, you know, catapult you back into title contention. Uh, how's the mindset going into the fight with Magny? Uh, my mindset's really good, actually, uh, and you know, I, 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 a lot of it has to do with you know going back to Oklahoma State. Uh, and actually saying that I still want to be an athlete, you know. I still want to compete. I still think I have what it takes to compete. And uh, I think that, that's the majority of it with me, is that so much mental goes into each, each fight, you know. You can't have anything else other than Neil Magny on my mind, and that's what I'm really focusing on is uh, – doing a great performance on uh, December 30th. Well, that, that's awesome to hear, Johnny. As two people who have followed your career so closely, you know, the highs and then recently maybe, you know, a couple of lows. And we were curious about that. You know, so you mentioned you're going to get back to the wrestling, obviously. And then what about for striking? We had your coach, Stephen Wright, on. He had mentioned trying to open up his own gym. Is that where you're doing your striking? Or, or what's the actual fight camp you're affiliated with now, if there is one? Yeah, so I'm still with Stephen Wright and also uh, Tony Cabela. Um, so I'm still I still have my uh, my original striking coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that now we've actually we're preparing for this fight, sort of like we used to. You know, uh, next week is Thanksgiving, then the following week I'm actually going to start be working with some boxers. You know, I'm going to be sparring boxers. I got some tall guys that are going to be uh, for MMA. Um, and that's really what I need is I need I need these younger guys that are faster that I have to keep my hand speed up with. Um, and there's been times where, you know, you're, you're training, but you're training with guys who – don't test your speed, don't test your ability, and you, you're, not, you're not getting that drive, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I need to get the drive, and we have a couple of boxers in line that I know can do that. Interesting. And it does sound, though, uh, that you're also returning to your roots. You might get back to wrestler first, so to speak. 
You know what? No. Uh, the reason why I like good Oklahoma State is not so much just a, you know, yes, it does sharpen up my wrestling, but, you know, these, these, these 20-year-old and 24-year-old men, they see me as who I am and who I was, right? Mm-hmm. So they see me as a two-time uh, national champion, a four-time All-American, and they see me as a guy who was the UFC champ. And guess what? They want to beat that guy. And that's the kind of mental preparation I have to get to is to go out there and to be able to compete with those guys. What they do day in and day out, and I have to raise my intensity. I have to get my mind right. I have to get that drive. I don't want to lose, right? I do not want to lose. Well, where does it start? It starts by doing stuff like this, by putting yourself with these guys that can just, you know, that's what they do. That's what they love. And if I can go in there and compete with them and get my hand raised, that's what I need. You are the former welterweight champion. You beat Robbie Lawler for that title. Some might even say you actually beat GSP for that title, but that's another story for another day. Controversial finish. You came back and beat Lawler, and then you know you came back for that rematch later on that year, 2014 in December. Uh, you lost to Lawler again. You know, razor thin fights between you and Lawler. You guys fought ten amazing rounds that year, and I feel like that's kind of where. You know, things got a little off track for you. You came back with the Brown win, uh, then, you know, missing weight, uh, the Wonder Boy fight, the Gastelum fight. When you look back at these past two years, was it, if you could put like a percentage on it, was it mindset? Was it the, the hardship of the weight cut? What, you know, when you look back at these past couple of years, what do you think went wrong? Uh, you know what? Uh, I really don't think I should have done that fight December. Because uh, of the bicep injury? It, yeah, because of the bicep injury. It wasn't all the way healed yet. Um, it really wasn't. Uh, the Matt Brown fight, it felt awesome. Hmm. Um, it, it, you know, but even still today, you know, there's times that you do stuff, you can still feel not what where they, where they, uh, where like the bicep is attached. But on the other side, there's like a titanium little bitty rod, like a little bitty rectangle that's on the other side of that's like now formed around my bone. But I can still feel it roll over my muscles, roll over. Right. Right. So it's just what happens. So but I think that if I would have waited until like that March to fight Lawler, it could have been a different outcome. Um, um, But. You know, I'm not here to make excuses. I fought. I lost. I came back. I beat Matt Brown, uh, thinking that it would jump me right back into another title shot. Uh, it didn't. Um, and, you know, you miss weight. And really, at that point, once I didn't get the rematch, it was sort of, at that point, I was like, what do you do? You know, you know what I'm saying? What do you do? You know, you yeah, I want to fight. I still want to fight, but it sort of knocks the wind out of you whenever, you know, you run through the top five guys to get to the belt the first place. You do a close, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was a close fight, but, you know, everybody says that I won that fight with GSP. You lose that one. All right, you come back, you win the belt. Then you go back, you have another close fight. Supposedly you're supposed to beat the champ 
to become the champ. And supposedly he did that, right? Right. Then you're going, all right, I got, I got to fight one more and I can get back to the belt. And then that doesn't happen. You're like, oh, man, I don't, there's a part of you that's going, I really don't want to run through everybody again to get back to that belt. Um, and that's just sort of what, you know, uh, that's sort of where my mindset was. And then once I left my old management, there's a part of me that's just like, you know what? I'm, I'm sort of over it. You know, I wanted to be a father at that point, but I still love waking up and working out. Right. So, uh, I was, uh, I was sort of happy and content where I was at because, uh, I just didn't see, you know, what would get me to back to the belt. Yeah, well, now you know, I've sort of uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm so sorry to cut you off. I, I have to pick up on this because it is rather interesting. You and Lawler fight for the belt in March of 2014. You win. You become the champion. Lawler goes and beats Matt Brown in July of 2014 and then gets his rematch. He beats you, razor close decision, whatever, whatever. You guys are then one and one. You then go and beat Matt Brown in March, and I always wanted to ask you about this because Dana White said he didn't, quote, love that fight. He didn't love the performance or what have you, but you won. I mean, you dominated, and I always wondered if that kind of maybe rubbed you the wrong way when, you know, the, the president of the company or what have you says he didn't love the performance, but you did exactly what Robbie Lawler did to get back into title contention. You beat Matt Brown. Well, yeah, it's not that I, it's not that it rubbed me the wrong way. It's just that, you know, it sucks that you know, he went to a five-round decision with him, right? But my fight was more decisive than his was. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, yes. I won three rounds very convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I get it. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't go out there and, you, you know, you try to perform at your best. But then again, you look at who I went through in the last four years, yeah, what, 2000, 2012? Since 2012, I've fought nobody less than five, ranked fifth in the, in the welterweight division. And, you know, to, to beat up everybody the way that I want to, I wish I could. But some of them you don't. And so, like I said, and then you don't get the title shot, you're just like, man, all right. It looks like I'm going to have to run through everybody again and then go forward. Yeah. Because you got to think that whenever I was going through there, how long have they been, the people in the top five have been there for years? Yeah, absolutely. And then I ran through it and then, but you know what? Like I said, it's just, it's just one of those things that you learn from it, right? I learned from that and I said, okay, that's why. That's why now I'm officially overcaring what happened. All I'm going to do is I'm going to prepare myself for December 30th, and that's it. I don't care if it, it you know, don't get me wrong, I, I, I need to win, right, first and foremost. But where it puts me on this ladder, I don't care because I know that the only thing I can control is my mind and my heart, and my mind and heart is saying, Let's focus on Neil Magny, nothing else. Go out there, get a win, get a win like you know you can, 
And then after that fight, let's sit down and, and see what's next. Well, I think it's a very scary proposition that a, a newly motivated, uh, re-energized Johnny Hendricks gets into the top of the welterweight division. It feels wide open right now. You know, I mean, Wonderboy and Woodley just had the draw on Saturday night. Uh, of course, Maya's in the mix. You never know with GSP hovering around if they can work out that contract uh, situation. But, you know, Rory McDonald went to Bellator. It feels like you know, as a former welterweight champion yourself, one win, maybe two more wins, you're right back in the thick of things, don't you think? Uh, yes, that's exactly right. Is that, you know, who knows what the future holds, right? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. Um, all I do know is that December 30th, I have to be ready, right? Yep. And, and like I said, that's all that, I, that's all that I've been focusing on is Neil Maggie. I don't even, you know, I don't even care who's going to be the champ or who's going to fight, when, what, where. All I've been doing is focusing my whole camp and everything on Neil Magny. Um, And I think this is one, you know, I tried it last fight, and it really didn't work for me that well. But I was also still in the mood of, man, I just want to, you know, let's just fight this fight, see what happens. If I win, that's cool. And, 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 you know, last fight camp, I was training once a day. And I was training only four days a week. That's all I cared about. Well, was uh, that because you, you you had your fourth child on the way? Is that why? Uh, yes, that and the fact that I just wanted to be around my family and my wife. You know, uh, I just you know I've done so much traveling and so much of this and so much of that that I finally got a chance that I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a I'm gonna be more I'm gonna be at home more. And it didn't work out very well. <laughs> so uh, you got Then, then you got to sit. I am trying to put too much on my plate. Sometimes it's nicer to just say, "All right, here's what I got to do. I got to be an athlete. I gotta, you know." And that's what me and my wife talked about. I told her, I said, "I have to become an athlete again." And I go, "I know it's rough on you to do that, but you know, right now I'm traveling to workouts." to go train for an hour and a half, two hours. She's got four kids. She's got to take them to soccer. She's got to take them to basketball all by herself. But there's a part of me that feels bad, but also there's a part of me that says, hey, this is how we make my living, and I have to I have to sacrifice something. And even though I don't want to, I have to. Wow. And, and that's awesome that, that she's willing to sacrifice as well, too. Exactly. We cannot thank you enough for the time. We're very excited by what we're hearing. We think, you know, you back in the mix at the top of the welterweight division uh, would be awesome. And it sounds like you have your mind right. Uh, Again, Johnny Hendricks fights Neil Magny at UFC 207 December 30th. Take note, fight fans. That is a rare Friday night. Johnny, we wish you luck in the fight. And thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thank you. And y'all have a wonderful evening. All right, there you have it, Gumby, Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, and I was really glad that he came forth with, you know, all he was feeling about those low times because a lot of times you talk to fighters and they're they're not necessarily 100% honest 
about feeling down, but he, you know, he opened up uh, in a really real way, which was just awesome for him to do. All right. Well, I want to transition now to uh, UFC Fight Night 101. It's this coming Saturday, two days after Thanksgiving. It takes place in Australia. This is on Saturday, November 26th. It'll be on at 10 p.m. on FS1. There will be some uh, earlier prelims on Fight Pass. This was supposed to be Jacques Ray versus Luke Rockhold. That is not happening. And the new main event is Robert Whitaker versus Derek Brunson. So, Gumby, are you ready to break this down and preview it in a lightning-fast fashion as only we can do? Let's do it right now. All right. So, Derek Brunson is coming off of a five-fight win streak. He just beat Uriah Hall via TKO, beat Ruin Carnero before that via TKO, beat Sam Alvey before that via TKO, beat Ed Herman uh, via TKO. Are you seeing a pattern emerge here? He also beat Lorenz Larkin to start this win streak via decision. Robert Whitaker, he is on a five-fight win streak himself. He's coming off a unanimous decision win over Rafael Natal, also beat Uriah Hall via unanimous decision. And if you go back all the way to May of 2015, he beat Brad Tavares via KO. So you have two up-and-coming guys here, both on five-fight win streaks. Who you got? You know, for me, the big difference here is when you look at how they beat those opponents, right? So, you know, Whitaker beats Hafeil Natal uh, by decision. He beats Uriah Hall by decision. And, and kind of not that they weren't exciting decisions, but they were grinders. Yeah, he had to grind both of those guys out. He had to out-wrestle Uriah Hall and neutralize the striking. He had to out-wrestle Hafeil Natal and, and neutralize the striking. In TKOs versus Tavares and Hester, there's certainly nothing to laugh at, but there's certainly nothing to write home about either. You know what I mean? Whereas Brunson, in his last four fights, has been absolutely dominant. He's taken four different guys, all of which are wicked tough guys, right? The aforementioned Uriah Hall, Ron Carnero, who had just beat Mark Munoz at the time, Sam Alvey, and Ed Herman, who are just all-around tough guys. And he beat them, and not just beat them, but knocked them out within a round. All four of those KOs, or TKOs, came within one round. To me, he's just on another level right now where he's taking people down and ground and pounding them until they have to quit or blasting them on the feet and, and making them wobbly. And, you know, if you go back before that, that five-fight win streak that you were just talking about, too, he had a fight-of-the-night performance against Yoel Romero. Actually rocked Romero, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, in that fight. I had him ahead in the, on the cards, um, if I remember correctly. I think I had him ahead in the having won the first and winning the third before he got tagged uh, with some punches and got knocked out. Did Romero cheat in that in any way? I mean, probably. <laughs> sure. Let's play the percentages. But the the fact of the matter is here is Brunson is a very, very legitimate prospect here as somebody who could come in and knock somebody out. So I'm going with Brunson uh, just because I think he can uh, bring the pain a little bit harder than Whitaker, whereas Whitaker has to grind you out. Sure. Uh, well, uh, Vegas agrees with you. They have Brunson as the minus 145 favorite, Robert Whitaker, a plus 105 dog. Now, that is the main event. I believe, because UFC hasn't really announced this card, they haven't broken up who's on the early prelims, who's on the prelims, and who's uh, necessarily on the main card. As it's kind of late to do that, too. I know, <laughs> as of taping this uh, on Tuesday. But that being said, I assume the co-main is Jake Matthews uh, versus Andrew Holbrook. Holbrook, the plus 170 dog. Matthews, 
the minus 230 favorite. Very exciting prospect. What are you thinking here? I'm a big Jake Matthews fan. Uh, obviously, he slipped up once or twice in the past. But the fact that he's only, I think he's 23 years old at this point, and he's so promising, uh, I'm just really looking forward to getting to see him again. Holbrook is one of those guys who can uh, you know, pick up a win uh, when you're least expecting him to. He beat Ranzi Nijim on short notice. Uh, but I, I think Matthews is too much for him here. Matthews way too dynamic, and it seems like he picks up a new wrinkle every single time out. Yeah, and I do, I do just want to confirm he Matthews is coming off the loss to Kevin Lee, which was in the uh, very first round via TKO. Um, and, and no shame in that. Look at what Kevin Lee did this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you have uh, Matthews uh, with the comeback win here. I do. Yes. Okay, interesting. Now, uh, a couple of other interesting fights on this card. Uh, you have Dan Hooker versus Jason Knight. What are you thinking there? So I, I really like these two. Uh, both of them with awesome submission games. Uh, Jason Knight, we saw him uh, debut, and, and he just absolutely worked really hard off of his back against uh, Kawajiri uh, and had a really, really, really tough time. He tried to pull some rubber guard stuff, but Kawajiri with like a low center of gravity picked up the win there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in another fight here with Hooker. Uh, if I had to make the pick, I would probably go Hooker. I think he's the safe pick because he's also got some really good stand-up game, uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see if this one hits the ground. Uh, now, Dan the Hangman Hooker. Do you like that nickname, by the way? Uh, uh, not my favorite one. There, there are better ones out there. Yeah, very true. Uh, he is fighting out of New Zealand, so not a long trip for him. This fight will take place at 145 pounds. And Hooker is the minus 150 favorite. Jason Knight, the plus 110 dog. Uh, moving on, you have Tyson Pedro versus Khalil Roundtree. Who you got? I, I, I'm really into this fight because Tyson Pedro is one of the two prospects the UFC just signed along with Ty Suvasa, who um, are Monk, Mark Hunt training partners. Um, so they, they have a lot of similarities to Mark Hunt's style. Only with Tyson Pedro at light heavyweight, you are going to see a guy with a very different looking physique than Mark Hunt. This guy is freaking huge. And on top of that, has an amazing takedown game and an amazing grounded, pounded submission game. So he is just absolutely a lot of fun to watch. And he is a prospect to keep an eye on, even though he's only 4-0 uh, out of Australia. Khalil Roundtree, he's uh, John Wood trained out of Syndicate MMA. Uh, was the runner-up on that season, The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about his ground game in this. If he can keep it standing, it'll be interesting. Uh, but I think Tyson Pedro gets him to the ground here and chokes him out. Uh, and Tyson Pedro, the plus 120 dog. Khalil Roundtree, the minus 160 favorite. But you're going dog here, Tyson Pedro. Yeah, and I, I think if you can get him at a plus, uh, you are finding an absolute steal here, too. All right, and this will be the last one I wanted you to break down, Gumby. Amari Akhmedov versus Kyle Noak. Who you got? Uh, I'm probably going with Kyle Noak here, although th this is a, kind of a close one because Akhmedov is certainly well-rounded and has got some game to him. Um, but, you know, Kyle Noak was on the rise with a couple of really good wins in a row um, before he lost kind of a tough one to uh, Alex Morano, and he lost a tough one to Kita Nakamura. So uh, I, I like him with the comeback here, especially in that he's getting to fight down under. Um, you know he was the crocodile hunter Steve Irwin's bodyguard, right? And I did not know that. That yeah. is Awesome, fun little tidbit there about Kyle Noak, uh, the former, former uh, bodyguard to the, the crocodile hunter. All right, so you're taking the crocodile hunter's bodyguard. <laughs> That's correct. All right, well, uh, Kyle Noak, and this was at welterweight, uh, by the way, people. I did just want to get that out there. Uh, and uh, Kyle Noak is the plus 165 dog here. Omari Akhmedov, the minus 215 favorite. All right, Gumby, so that wraps up our fat, uh, our 
our Fight uh, Night 101 preview, and I wanted to end the show being Thanksgiving week. Give me something you're thankful for in mixed martial arts. Uh, I'm I'm thankful for I'm thankful for in a in a world uh, in 2016 and soon to be 2017 that we have as much MMA coverage as we do. Because uh, I used to turn on the TV and ESPN, and, and maybe I would get the results on a little scrolling item on the bottom. Uh, and now even prelims are making. Uh, the top 10 list. I'm getting, you know, almost full card recaps. They bring on Gilbert Melendez to talk about upcoming fight cards. I- I'm just happy that in this day and age, we're finally getting uh, regular sports media coverage. Yeah, I kind of have a similar thing, and this is going to sound like I'm coming off as a fanboy, but I'm honestly, I'm thankful for Conor McGregor, what he brings to the fight game. I feel like I have to root for him because I root for the health of the sport, and I feel like rooting for Conor McGregor is like rooting for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's a barometer that things are going well, and when a guy like that can talk and then back it up and bring in mainstream eyeballs... What he did at UFC 205, literally the the grandest stage of them all. I know it's very hyperbolic to say that, but it was the debut show in MSG, and he not only won the second title uh, and the first person to ever do that, he absolutely destroyed Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, and and you know what? The, the thing I said I was thankful for could really be attributed to the thing that you're thankful for. I mean, like, we're not seeing people on ESPN if it's not for... Conor McGregor and maybe to some extent Ronda Rousey. Rousey. Yep, well said. Um, but you know what? That also has to be said, and now we're getting into way too detailed a debate <laughs> on this. That's also in part the UFC's marketing machine as oh, well. A- absolutely, but but you you can't market people who suck. don't want to be marketed yes. or who suck. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I mean, you can market the hell out of Rashad Evans. In the end, uh, you know, when I see him on the screen, his trash talk just doesn't excite me. Um, but when you, you market somebody who's got a mouth on him like Conor McGregor, it's instant gold. And he backs it up. And I can't believe you threw Rashad Evans, of all people, under the bus right now. I, I, I just, happen to okay, like Rashad Evans. Okay, yeah. You know, I like Rashad Evans as a fighter, but tell me when you watched him trash talk Rampage on that season of The Ultimate Fighter, it wasn't like watching paint dry. Oh, I like that. When they oh, were, like, getting each other's face. I liked when Rampage talked crap, but I didn't like when Rashad talked crap. Yeah. Well, anyway, (laughs) we're thankful for MMA in general. And that ends our show. We can't thank you guys enough for listening. We really do appreciate it. Thanks to our sponsors, Sisu Mouthguard and Datsusara, Hemp Fight Gear. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast Episode 46. And we'll be back next week with another great show.